Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredients. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Welcome to Wrestling Changed My Life. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Folks, you're my favorite people in the world. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, today's episode is a best of the week mashup. And what I have is clips from Tom Brands, Dan Gable, and Tervel Delagnoff that have really resonated with the listeners. And I want to put them together in one mashup. And this is something we're probably going to keep doing every week. It's not going to take away from the actual new interviews we do. In fact, we have a couple of those coming this week, one of which is with a Navy SEAL. Bad, bad dude. And I'm excited to get that one out. That'll probably be later tonight or tomorrow. But in the meantime, we have three clips for you. Actually, two from Tom Brands. One is about a 60-second clip where he talks about John Debia, John Smith, the GOAT. The other one is where he talks about his battles with Alan Freed. And for those of you who don't know who Alan Freed is, he wrestled for Oklahoma State, but in high school was a phenom. Won the Junior Nationals four times, which is the modern-day Fargo, and he teched Tom Brands at that tournament in high school. But then in college, Tommy Brands, with the help of one Daniel Gable, turned it around ended up beating Freed five times in college, including the junior, excuse me, including the NCAA Finals, Brands' junior year and Brands' senior year. So really fun to hear Brands talk about that because Freed pinned him his senior year at the Midlands. So they went back and forth. The second clip is Dan Gable talking about the loss to Owens. That's from episode 47. And then the last clip is Tervel Delagnov, who was a guest on episode 44. Tervel takes us through the play-by-play of the sequence that decided the fate of his 2012 Olympics. And it's really interesting to kind of go in the mind of Tervel. And again, that's from episode 44. So Tom Brands was episode 46. That's first. Gable was episode 47. That's second. And then Tervel was episode 44. That's third. And that's it, folks. We're coming to you with a couple episodes this week. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. It means the world. If you feel compelled to subscribe on iTunes or leave a rating. I'll know it. I'll see it. I appreciate it. Thank you all. We'll talk to you soon. And my hero, you know, in the media was John Smith because I read articles about, you know, his mindset. And what do you remember from those articles? I remember that he didn't care what got in the way of his success. And there was one thing and that was wrestling. And there were some relationships, personal relationships with people that suffered because they got in the way of what he was after. 
And don't take my word for it. Go read the Sports Illustrated articles when he was winning six World Olympic Championships in a row. In a row. I remember getting beat up in high school and uh, bad, really bad. <laughs> um, I remember losing a match at the UNI Open. Um, and Gable gave it to me in the newspaper. And Gable was absolutely right. Um, and he never did that. So that was an eye-opener. But the next day, he comes up to me and he said, you know, I think I was probably a little rough on you. And he apologized, but didn't say I apologize. But he apologized. I think I was a little bit rough on you on the, in the newspaper. And it was like a six to five match, maybe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that kind of like, I want you to be rough on me. I don't care. I got, I, I, you were right. Yeah. Um, I never had thin skin. Um, you know, growing up, I was raised that way. So when you do something that isn't going to get you where you want to go and this peop these people around you that are mentoring you, they know that where you want to go, they need to kick you in the butt. Right. So he kicked me in the butt. and then, he, But he said something to me. And so you know, I don't know if I really knew how to take that or not. I, you know, and then, but you were in the ballpark with the guy that, you know, was a phenom. But, you know, we're up to the same turf. You know, and then another thing happened where we had a, a senior get up and the, and the senior talks, they were pretty rough back then. And I won a national title that year in 1990. Well, Freed had redshirted. And one of the seniors got up and was a, um, he was a non-starter, but he, his seniors got the mic at the at the banquet at the end of the year. And he said, um, and Tom Brands would like to thank Alan Freed for taking a redshirt so he could win a national title this year. And that really pissed me off. I was motivated, and I could probably speak for Terry a little bit, more to prove people wrong in that category, whether it's healthy or not, and you can say what you want. You can even say that, well, motivation isn't even a thing. Well, you know what? Depends depends on how you define motivation. You know, if, if well, motivation, you know, it's easy to be motivated one day and not the next. Well, that's not how I define motivation. Motivation is, is what I wake up with every day. And I still fight every day to beat the competition. Um, I'm just fighting a hundred opponents instead of, you know, my weight class. So that really pissed me off. And here's this no name senior. And this is how I looked at him. He's, he's a good friend of mine, but this no name senior that wasn't even in the lineup, but was probably third or fourth string gets up there and says that, and that stuck with me. And so there were three things there with Freed. Um, one, you're kind of closing the gap, but Gable still called you out. And so what did Gable expected me to, he didn't expect me to close the gap from a tech fall, which was 15 points when Freed beat me in 1985 or whatever it was, 86, you know. Um, and then it's a six to five match that I basically blew you know, and then the first time I beat him was in the all-star meet the next year and I kicked out, he was in on my leg and I kicked out and my shoe came off <laughs> and, um, I bit through my tongue and that's when I started after that match, I started wearing a mouthpiece and I ended up beating him in overtime. Um, so that, you know, then, then, then from there on, I, I had gotten the best of him except he pinned me in 42 seconds in the Midlands, uh, my senior year, the next year. 
So your, that's, that was your senior year when that happened. Yeah, he was a worthy opponent. I was undefeated as a junior and had a whatever match winning streak, and then, um, you know, Midlands finals my senior year, he he pinned me. But didn't you beat Freed in the finals your junior year too? Yeah, I I I'd gotten the best of him when I beat him in the All Star meet. I had beaten him. I beat him in the U.S. Open one year. You know, you go back and beat him in the finals of, in '91 and '92. I beat him in a dual meet. I beat him in an all-star meet. The first time I beat him out in Penn. Yep. I'm um, in the Palestra. And then uh, beat him in an all-star meet here after he pinned me in the Midlands. So, you know, there was... Momentum had shifted at that point. Yeah, but it, he was a worthy opponent. Right. It's it's controversial. It's And it's like, why would I say this? But I needed that loss. Hmm. I needed the loss to really get good. Because I was only an extremely hard worker. And I didn't have all those coaching tools yet. I had some of them because I had great coaches. But I didn't really understand the artistic part of the sport, like the Russians, what they do. And they don't totally understand the, the hard work part of the sport, as far as physical hard work. But, but for me, you know, because when I lost to Owings, I had somebody that could stay in a match with me. But yeah, I was tired from the beginning. And if I wasn't tired from the beginning, I would have been okay. I would have been able to be a lot more of who I was really capable of being. But usually you wore people down and they, they, they turned over and they just gave up. Always wasn't going to give up no matter what. And he never did. But I was really tough. I was, and maybe not so tough this match because I was tired. And I didn't know. I mean, I knew I was tired. That's the part. Whereas you don't know you're tired when you're wrestling. If you're focused, you only know you're tired after the match. Many times I was tired after a match, but only after the match. But this one I knew one minute into it. I mean, I locked up with him and, and got into a bear hug with him right away. And I, and I went out of bounds. And I remember right away walking back to the center saying, God, I feel weak. <laughs> and I... I mean, we're 30, 40 seconds into the match. And I said that to myself. I had to talk myself into wrestling tough, as tough as I could at that time, because being, you know, not effective the whole match. I had to talk myself. And I don't know if I could have talked myself into going overtime or not. What, do you think he got in your head before because of all this? He got in my head the day before the tournament started. But I never knew anything about him before that. Barely. I wasn't even, he wasn't even on my radar. Do you even remember wrestling him in 68? I do just a little bit because I was a little surprised he scored four points. I remember this moment. I remember I get in on a shot and I suck his leg in. And he starts to give me defense. And I remember thinking like, gosh, if I battle really, like this this all happened in a second. But, but I'm going to tell you, like this is, this is what went through my head was like, I could finish this. I could finish this with a whole crap load of effort. Like I was in a position where if I would have like flexed my whole body, if I would have like stopped, if I would have held my breath, I could have finished the shot. I was in the, I, I was, I was in the position where I'm very good in extended single and his hips were not that heavy. Um, but I remember saying, I remember I wasn't willing to give the effort in that, just that split second. It was like, I'll just stalemate this one. Like this one, this one's going to be too, this one's a little too much. It's early in the match. I'm going to stalemate. And literally the second, the second that like cascade of thoughts finished, he jumped to a cradle. 
And all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, give us a review, give us a rating, and share this with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life.